Hey guys, just before we get into it, we would like to acknowledge our podcast partners in Beyond Blue. If you're feeling low, anxious, or need to talk to someone, please contact the people at Beyond Blue. Their phone number is 1300 224 636. You can visit them on the website as well at www.beyondblue.org.au forward slash get support. Enjoy the episode. Thanks, guys. Hello and welcome to the Listics AFL podcast. I'm your host, John Van Norden, and with me as always is my good friend, Sean Lewis. Sean, how are you doing this week, mate? Oh, I'm loving today. It's uh, it's my favourite day of the year, the end of trade period, so yeah. the, the, uh, the culmination of 10 days of um, rage, uh, outrageous trade scenarios, uh, secretive, we don't know anything, uh, what's happening in the background. It all comes to a head in one giant messy... Um, finish and the AFL's done us all a favour by not allowing any uh, trades to be completed today until 3pm yeah. uh, which <laughs> is just magnificent um, but it's allowed uh, the old trade radio to flog power drills all day um, yeah, but they could they, they flog power drills all day anyway it, just, yeah, it, it never made sense to me but um, it's a great day it is um, now we're not going to comment um, on any of the trades that are going down because really we have to we want to do what we did last year, which is just wait wait a couple of days until after the trade period is settled and we've seen what everyone's come out with, so we can judge it. Um, I guess in a non-emotional state. I think we'll do a bit something a bit like what we did last week, where we just looked at the trades that have been done and just quickly assess. And the in-depth, more in-depth analysis will come probably post the draft, where we can actually sit back. Yeah, and exa- yeah. Look at the summary of the whole period. Yeah, exactly. Really so, do. so that that'll be um, that'll be in the coming days, but we're definitely not going to do it tonight, given that there's still three hours left of trade period. So, and there's still forty players left to be traded. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see how all of that pans out. But we're we're here to talk about the cats, um, and the cats are probably. We can talk a little bit about what the Cats have been doing in the trade period. I mean, um, as always, they're efficient and done early. So, uh, yeah, well exactly. under Stephen Wells again. Yeah, um, but we're we're going to be focusing on the the 2019 Cats, and I guess it's it's good to reflect upon them and look at them uh, for the way forward as well. Uh, so the Cats had an average age of 24.42, uh, with the fourth fourth oldest team in the competition and uh, the fifth most experienced team with almost 70 games experience per player. Yep. Um, and they're probably going to experience up and age up again next year, but yeah, re-signing absolutely. a lot of their senior players and bringing in some senior players as well. They've had a little, little bit of um, little bit of turnover with these draft picks, but we'll go into that in a minute. So they might, I reckon they'll probably just hold more than anything because they'll bring in, um, I think they've, they've, at the moment they've got a draft bounty. So they'll... Yeah, potentially the bottom of the list will, will fill up with younger players. Yeah, depth chart-wise, we've got six key forwards, three key defenders, nine general forwards, ten general defenders, 15 midfielders, and three rucks. Um, I mean, looking at the depth, uh, I would probably say that they're the players playing in their key posts in the best 22, um, if they get too many injuries, they're kind of stuffed, and their rucks have been uh, a bit of a... A sore spot for the last few years for a lot of Geelong um, fans. So it, it's, I mean, the key the the players above one ninety five centimeters are probably the only can the biggest concern I have with Geelong's list. So they've got 
you know, plenty through the midfield um, for the moment. And I'm saying for the moment for a reason, which we'll touch on in a minute. Um, but realistically, um, you know, they come up against Collingwood's and Melbourne's and even GWS next year with Sauce Jacobs and um, Goldie and these sorts of rucks. And at the end of the day, they get pasted. It'd be lovely for their rolled gold midfield to get some silver service occasionally, I think. Um, so Yep. Uh, but they're not they're not trading for a ruck though. They're, yeah, they've they've already, they've already said that. I reckon um, they've got their eye on Luke Jackson in the draft personally, as I think a few clubs. Do. Yeah, I know. It's it's not surprising because he's what the best ruck prospect to come through in a while. I think I think people have had time to reflect upon how good Grundy was yeah. at, at under 18s level. It wouldn't surprise me if they went back and watched the way that he played under 18s and thought man, we can't pass up on somebody like Jackson again because yeah. it's it's not fair to the rest of the competition but, that he goes even, like. even Gorn without his knee Rico would have gone about where Grundy went. Yeah. So Gorn, Gorn was talked about as a, as a top 20 pick in that draft. No, I think it was the 09 draft. Um, and he had an ACL, so he, got dry, he slipped back to pick 34. And really, you sit back and go, well... Those two guys are so impactful on the game, and they would have gone, you know, one went at 34, one went at 19, but without a knee Rico, you're probably looking at about roughly the same pick, maybe gone maybe in the 20s, early 20s there. But how does how does every club skip them once? Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, key, key pl- players for yeah. now. Yeah, so the key players for now are, are pretty obvious for me. Dangerfield, Joel Selwood, Tom Hawkins, uh, Duncan who missed their final series. So, I mean, I don't think that should be understated that a lot of the way that the Cats played was to try to cover for Duncan. Duncan was a really key player for them all year. Um, And a lot of the way that they played in finals was just to try to cover his absence and it didn't work. Uh, But he's massive for them and uh, Stewart's the other one. Um, Obviously, the big change from last year's uh, list is... Uh, Tim Kelly, who was on, who would have been on there for last year. Given oh yeah, I mean, if we were doing key players for 2019, Tim Kelly, and key players for the future, Tim Kelly, uh, but he's gone. Yeah, no, but I mean, more like that's the change from last year. So, because in other ones we've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, um, and then obviously for the future, uh, Dangerfield. This is a bit of a debate because Dangerfield technically. Uh, falls outside of our normal parameters for a future uh, key player, but given his amazing talent, we we kind of expect him to still be a real big key force for Geelong in three years' time. Um, yep. And I think it'll probably be as a fifty um, fifty stay at home forward, pretty much. Yeah, um, I think that he'll be able to extend his career playing down there. And obviously, Duncan and Stewart will still be key cogs. Um, Blitzers has is yeah. shown that in the last year that he's. Um, able to be a key cog um, I think that he has to be playing as a key defender though yes uh, and Jordan Clark's probably the other one which I mean is it I don't know if it's a worry it's more sort of a, a uh, symptom of the way the Cats play that uh, three of those players are defenders um, that the Cats love to have a strong defence that but, is stingy but this is all generated actually from their lack of strength in the middle of about winning first ball so yeah. Geelong used that same Chris Scott game plan of turning it over on the back and rebounding which is why a player like Tom Stewart uh, Zach Tui Jordan Clark it's why these guys are so important um, and Andrew Mackey previously and 
Joel, uh, Corey Enright and Joel Corey even towards the back end of his career. The reason why all these guys have been so critical for Geelong's success is because the way they play. They rebound off the half-back line and they, they slice you up with, with hard running and good footwork, foot, uh, foot skills. So um, Jordan Clark being probably one of the nicest kick of last year's drafts and also being an incredibly um, uh, high athletic ability player is going to be hugely important for them going in the future. I think probably the biggest concern for me out of that list is, apart from Clark, most of those guys are mid to late 20s. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, that's one of the real concerns uh, for their list as a whole. So, I mean, we, we do the good, the bad, the ugly. The good, uh, they were clearly um, a great team this year, finished on top of the ladder, and they show that they're still a force to be reckoned with. Um, I mean, good game plan, great players. Yep. Yeah, I mean they they weren't um, weren't too far off uh, a grand final berth either. They um, made they made the most of uh, being categorised in that middle tier of um, fixture. Yeah. So they because last year they I think they finished after finals in seventh or something. Yeah, must have. They they got that middle tier draw rather than the top tier draw, and they made the most of that. Um, Especially early, I think they were two or three games clear on top at you know round thirteen, fourteen area. Yeah, they did, and I mean, they're yeah they had the best draw all year, so they're still a great team. But I expect them to come back to the pack a little bit next year. I mean, unfortunately, one of the problems with being uh, good is that you become a target. Um, the other thing is that Geelong are getting older, um, yes. and they're not. Yeah, I. I they haven't got a whole lot coming through. So this is probably um, where we step into the bad is they lost Tim Kelly, who was their best developing, like best player under 25. I think yep. might, have, might have been 25 now. Um, but definitely the best player um, in the bottom half of their age of their list. Um, yeah, absolutely. And they've got a lot of players that they've drafted in the past five years uh, that are yet to prove themselves. So for all um, that's been talked about with Stephen Wells and I think that Stephen Wells does do a fantastic job of being able to find people yep. um, in the draft there hasn't been many players that are young that have come through recently um, players that have definitely come in and I've gone geez I'd be worried about playing against these guys in one or two years time when they're fully developed so I think what they're very good at is they've <clears throat> and what Wells has been excellent at is maintaining a I guess a um, a level of performance in the list that keeps them in the finals conversation every year. Um, and probably the symptom of that is that they do trade um, early picks a lot or they, um, I guess, target older players to come in and they take spots of youngsters. So some of the youngsters that really need to prove themselves, we're talking guys like Charlie Constable, um, Jermaine Jones, if he stays on the list, um, we're looking at... Um, Tom Atkins played pretty well, but he's a bit older. He was a mature age yeah, recruit. Yeah, he's, he's another one of those mature age recruits that they've been very successful at getting. Yeah. Uh, Clark, although he had a great first year, really, it's still his first year. Yes, uh, he's so still got to prove. He's still got a long way to go. Um, There's also... Um, oh, we were just talking about this guy before. What's his name? Yeah, I can't think. He went pick 18, 2018. Oh, um, Brennan Parfitt. No, but Parfit's another one. Parfit, and you've got Nakia Cockatoo, who perennially injured. You know, you'd like to see him just get it right and see what he actually can do. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got... It's not that they haven't drafted young players. It's just that 
you know, opportunity for them is limited. And the problem, I think we've spoken about this before, is when people play VFL repetitively, um, who are high scope kids, and we leave them in the VFL. And it's a risk with like North Melbourne with Luke Davies Uniac at the moment is yeah. that they become excellent VFL players, and then the step to AFL almost becomes hard. Um, whereas you know, giving them exposure early, you know, which is what they've done with Brian Myers. You know, they said to him, you know, provide pressure, uh, tackle, chase, and kick goals when you get the chance, and you'll have a spot. Um, so he, he worked on his craft at VFL, did very well, got his opportunity, and because he's been able to you know, maintain his spot inside the team that's successful, even when he hasn't played well, has meant that he's now becoming an AFL standard footballer. Yeah, I completely agree, mate. Um, the other guys we were talking about, Lockie Fogarty was the one we, were trying, Fogarty, to, yeah. we were trying to think of. Um, but Parsons. Quinton Narkle fits into that boat as well. Buzzer might not be on the list anymore. Um, Sam Simpson's been out of the side um, since he debuted in that first year. Um, they took Kruger. I know that Kruger's been injured, um, but he, again, was uh, over, overage. I think he was 19, so he might have just been an overage player rather than a full-on mature-age player. But, I, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see some of those players come through. And just the hold fire on uh, Myers as well. Myers has had a great first year. Yeah. There's been a lot of Geelong players that have come through and had a good first year, especially their small forwards. I think back to Corey Gregson, Darcy Lang, guys like this that in their first season came in and yeah. I thought, how have they found another player with one of these later mid to late first round picks? I, d- I just think Grime Myers is different. So, like, obviously, you and I were split on him in the draft last year, last year, year before. La, yeah, year before year before last year so we split on him um, I know like I definitely liked him probably a lot more than you did um, but he uh, it's not just his first year it's his, it's his second AFL year and he's broken into the team and held down a spot and he's performing the role for the team like he's never going to be anything more special than a role player you know but the difference is is he's playing his role week in week out Whereas I looked up at Sydney and they got a guy who's very similar in Ben Ronk. Now Ronk came on like a, you know, seven goals or something in his first or second game or whatever it was and just came on like a house on fire. And then he's lost that discipline. Sydney and John are similar. They demand discipline. They demand you play your role. And Ronk stopped playing his role um, during the season and he was out of the side whereas Myers never stopped playing his role yeah the, and, I and, mean, and that's what I like about him and that's why he, I think he'll remain an AFL player the difference though is that although it's Myers' second year it's his first year playing and I say this with a lot of players there's a massive difference between when all of the 22 clubs have game tape on you versus them yeah, versus, their, versus the second year that you go to play against them because a lot of players find that... I mean, I know that Higgins, um, and I hope that he's getting better, Jack Higgins, um, but is out with a brain bleed at the moment. But even at the start of this year, you could see that people had just watched all of his game tape and had enough notes on him now to know exactly how he plays. And that's what I'm, I guess, worried about with Myers is just understanding his running patterns. I, I think his pressure will stay there. So I don't doubt that his pressure will remain. It's just whether he's able to find as much space inside forward 50, which he was able to do 
uh, get spot up, take marks inside 50, I reckon if, that next year it's going to be a lot harder for if him. If teams are getting down to the point of watching Myers tapes to figure out how to stop Myers, I'm a little bit worried because Myers is the sixth forward. So I understand what you're saying, but in terms of threat level to me, that's but mate, that's that's that's, that's, that's not that's, that's a, not that's a stupid comment because he's going to get probably somebody like Maynard from Collingwood. If we're playing Geelong, he's probably going to line up on a small medium forward, I mean a small medium defender, and that player is definitely going to know that he's playing on Grime Myers and he's going to watch all the tape that he can on him in the week up to the game. He he will like to say that. He's not like they're not going to watch any tape, and that's not a worry. It's not that they're not going to watch any tape. It's just that the effort, like you're going to put Maynard on him because you want Maynard to be the attack. Grime Myers is there, is the player that, as a coach, you put your attacking backman on. So if I'm if if I'm the coach of Melbourne, I'm putting Michael Hibbert on him, or if if I'm the coach of uh, West Coast, I'm going to find a way to get Lewis Jetter onto him. That sort of thing. Now, so what it actually means is that the incumbency is actually on Myers to respond to the player he plays on. When he got off the chain last year is when people showed him no respect. Yes, people are going to show him a little bit more respect. Yes, they may watch some game tape of him, but the player that's the coach the player that the coach is going to send to him is likely going to be the player that they want to get the ball on his foot to get that ball moving out of the back line. And therefore you're going to be encouraging your player as a coach to play their game. Not yeah. to play Grind Myers. Yeah, I, I don't know if I agree, but so, I mean, we're, like, we're going to agree to disagree on this one because we don't, we, we never agree on everything. Um, I mean, we, we're looking now. That that was in the bad, so the players yet to come on and prove themselves. The ugly is just that there's no developing key forwards, rucks, or key backs, um, and so that's a, a massively structural problem. Um, so it's not like they don't have forwards and backs. Because they have guys like, as we said, Myers and Clark, these types of players, but they're not structurally important. Um, You can see how structurally important it is for them to have had Hawkins uh, for this amount of time. And they have such a strong reliance on him that without him, their forward line looks nothing like what it should be. Harry Taylor still to this day has been a very structurally important player for them so that you can just play that. Dower, lockdown, good body position, uh, defense, and they just don't have anyone developing. So Blitzer, well, I mean, Jake Collar not Jasney. developing anymore. Jake Collar Jasney is probably what 24, 25 now. Um, is he that old? Well, have a look. Um, yeah. But uh, and Blitzer would be probably twenty seven. Um, so he's twenty four. Um, oh, so Collar Jasney is twenty four. So he's moved out at that developing player. Uh, he's 193, so he's still the shortest of your three defenders that are going back there. Yeah, but I mean, like, he's he's probably one under... He's one that you can probably say... I mean, maybe not developing, but they've definitely got um, a, a under-25 player in him. And, and, Bl- mean, and Blitz, Blitzabs is 28, and he got yeah. a, he's got a youngish body, and he's still athletic. So, I mean, he can yeah. play to 31. The um, Salva Radical is obviously... Uh, one of their developing players, but personally, and this is just a personal opinion, um, both, yeah. the, okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't see it. Um, Asava, like he does some nice stuff, but he just, there's, he just goes missing. It's, it, it feels a lot like a bit like Mason Cox, really. 
Um, like I, I have the same opinion of Mason Cox as I do of Asava, and and you probably disagree with me being a Collingwood fan, but I just feel that um, I completely agree with you. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, I just feel that it, he's too flash in the pan to build a side around, um, and especially considering Hawkins is aging. I think with Hawkins there, you can play Radagalia, um, but if Hawkins goes and you're only left with Radagalia, I think that's a big issue. Now, yeah, brings me to what I think they're probably shaping up to do, and that's probably throw the checkbook at, at Jeremy Cameron. Um, I would, if I was in Geelong's position, that's what I would be doing uh, next year. But um, yeah, Asava is just not. I don't. And look, I'm happy to be proven wrong on this one, to be honest, um, because I know there are plenty of Geelong fans out there who really do rate him, and he he is a, um, you know, he's a very good, um, I guess, athletic player. Definitely athletic, yeah. Um, and, and I guess with the success of Blickhouse, you know, people are thinking they can do the same, and Geelong have, have the, one of the best development records of those mature age players in the AFL and you know I can see why the temptation's there but I just I mean I sit back and I go well that's not going to that's not going to win you a final no they definitely need to for me they need to invest there now just so that in two to three years time they have something there like something of substance Um, like I mean a lot of people forget and I think that um, this especially happens to the clubs that have been really successful um, over the last 20 years yep um Hawthorne and Geelong got Hawkins who was would have been pick one in his draft as yes, father-son well, the original change in the father-son rules was driven by Tom Hawkins being drafted with like pick 46 or whatever it was 43 yeah they, they literally said you know the other AFL clubs were like how the hell can they get well first it was Gary Ablett and Matt Scarlett before that and then Tom Hawkins who's clearly number one player in this draft yep for a pick in the 40s. So, so, so Tom, Tom Hawkins um, would have been a super early pick. And no, it would have been pick one. It would have been, yeah, that's that. what I mean. yep. Pick one. Um, and Hawthorne, when they drafted Ruffy and Franklin, effectively set up their list to be successful. Um, yep. And as much as you think that, yes, you can go and attract players from other clubs and, and make it work, um, I don't necessarily think you can. Um Richmond at the moment they've still got Jack Rewalt who was pick eight. Um, he was the first forward drafted in pick eight. No, it wasn't was he? No, he was taking the pick after Frawley, which was like thirteen. No, oh, Jack Rewalt. Yeah. Um, I thought he was pick eight, but um, I'll look that up now. Um, anyway, again, first round draft pick. Um, pick thirteen. Yeah. Pick thirteen. So he's a first round draft pick still. Um, what what I mean is is that they've got some picks this year. I think that they need to go invest in the draft and, and go get some tools. Yeah, and, and, and I really think that the um, with those picks they've got, they could really take a scattergun approach. You know, they could look at their tools and go Sam DeConning. They could look at a Dyson Hilda. They could easily go for a Josh Smith, the Gippy boy, um, Emerson Jecker. You know, um, who's the other Worrell? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of guys probably from pick 15 through to pick 40 that you could you know roll the dice with there and they've got a lot of picks in that bracket I'd still like them to see them if if um, if McCasey is still on the board um, to, I, I just don't think he will be but yeah yeah I mean if he's still on the board at 14 or if they move up and 
at least take somebody like him. Um, He'd so be ideal because he's a swing man. Yeah, exactly. So I don't have to decide yet. And one last point just on that Jeremy Cameron comment was that Jeremy Cameron is from um, southwestern Victoria. So uh, he's from Dartmouth or Dartmoor or whatever it is. And yeah. that's like, it's down near Portland. So yeah, it's, so I mean, it's it's not um, it's not close to Geelong, but it's closer to Geelong. Close, it, well, Adelaide, Geelong between Adelaide and Geelong. Nah, it would, clo- oh, yeah. Closer to Geelong than anything else, um, but de- definitely. But um, interesting to say that one um, panning out. Off contract, so I mean, really the off contract is uh, players that are sort of in no man's land at the moment. So yep. Jermaine Jones, Jordan Kinnico, Lockie Henderson, Tom Atkins and Wiley Buzzer. Probably. I expect Atkins to get another deal. Yeah. And I don't think that the others will get a deal. Well, Maybe Henderson um, for well, another year. Yeah, so this is the thing. I don't think Lockie Henderson will by the sounds of what Stephen Wells sounded like on the radio the other day. Um, it yeah. sounds like uh, Henderson might not get another go um, with the Cats at least. Yeah. But, I mean, I'd like to see him probably hold Jermaine Jones and then the others... Atkins and Jermaine Jones would be um, probably the two I would re-sign. Yeah, I mean, I'd let go of Jones just because Jones, Cunico and Buzzer have all been there for more than three years now um, and they haven't been able to find a spot in the team, uh, at least consistently. So, yeah, definitely yeah. Atkins though. Yeah, definitely Atkins. We're agreed on that one. Um, that was nice and quick. What we can talk about now before we go into the draft picks because obviously we're doing this a bit later than normal so we actually have um i guess some real updated trades and what they've actually done obviously they've lost tim kelly that's the big one um so the tim kelly trade as it was was uh tim kelly sent to west coast uh so there's a three three club trade so (laughs) far stick with us so um west coast got tim kelly um and a future third round selection from geelong um, Essendon also sent through pick 52 and then basically Essendon got a little bit of a pick upgrade which was um, pick 57 and 33 and Geelong got pick 37 from Essendon and then from West Coast they got the King's Ransom that's pick 14 um, second round pick which is 24 and a future first round selection so when you add all this up and you take in a few assumptions about where the picks land next year. So I think if West Coast even win the flag and everything, it pretty much values Tim Kelly as, um, as I think I said last week, as probably uh, only second to the Chris Judd deal in terms of overall points value. Um, It was basically works out as a, a pick one plus pick 55 to 30 something, depending on, yeah, where they, um, where they, finish, where they their... finish next year. So huge, huge bounty from Geelong and gives them their best draft hand in about uh, probably about 10 years. Well, it gives them their best draft hand for the next two years because they've got another first-round draft pick for next year yeah. as well. Um, they also were able to uh, turn Zach Smith, who was just ruck depth for them in the end, um, yep. into Jack Stephen via pick 58. Um, so pick 58 they received from the Gold Coast and then sent that to St Kilda for- this is a really fantastic move in terms of the now because Jack Stephen um, fully fit and firing the way he was not obviously the season gone but the one before yeah, I reckon let's, like, let's say Jack Stephen assuming what he'll be like this year like I, I'm ta- I've got some assumptions based around what I think he'll be like which is just 
five percent worse than what he was like back then. Yeah, so so the twenty seventeen Jack Stephen that won the best and fairest for St Kilda. Yeah, I reckon he's still, I reckon he's still a top five best and fairest at Geelong next year. Absolutely, and um, that, and that that is a Tim Kelly direct replacement because com- he, he offers the speed, disposal, yeah. um, presence around the contest. Now, yes, he is what twenty nine thirty. I think he's thirty by the start of next season, which means that he's probably going to lose half a yard of pace, but. Uh, it's still more pace than they've got at the moment. So, I mean, this... I don't see Geelong going backwards due to output next year. I see them going backwards due to the other competition passing them. Yes, yeah, same here. Um, and their draw getting harder. Um, yes. So, I think that when when you take all that into account, they still finish um, in the eight, um, but they finish somewhere probably between third and seventh. Um, I reckon that's sort of their range and they're, they're going to be competing with um, teams like Collingwood uh, Western Bulldogs um, and the Giants um, sort of pushing around that area we're sort yeah. of saying West Coast and Richmond really um, establish themselves as the two that are challenging for the very top Yep. and not to say that that obviously can't all change but um, that's sort of how we're seeing it at the moment Um their, their picks that they've got in... Um, yeah, so is, we're just looking at the picks they've got in their hand right now. So it's 14 and 17 um, as well, and that's in the first round. And then they've got 24, 36, and 37. And that has them out of the draft by pick 37. So that's that's a really good draft hand. You've got, you've got five picks inside of 40, three inside of 30, and two in the top 20. Um, you'd like, you'd like uh, maybe a top 10 in there, but... Um, and I think they're... Were they in discussions with Adelaide? I think I heard Stephen Well say, um, you know, they've talked to Adelaide about Josh Jenkins coming in, and potentially, um, you know, they're probably also floating um, an offer for Adelaide's pick four because Adelaide yeah. has been willing to split their pick. Um, yeah, that seems like a separate deal. Like Jenkins is a, a separate deal to. Yes, but I think it's that the conversations might be obviously with. Two and a half hours left. They're probably happening very quickly. But, I mean, you can change your picks over any time between now and the draft, I think, anyway. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see if Geelong maybe bundle up 14 and 24 and try and uh, eke out a pick nine or something. Well, Um, uh, they don't have pick nine. They've got pick four. No, no. Sorry. I mean, they might look to other clubs. Ah, okay. So, So, I mean, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they went 14 and 17 into four. Yeah, so that, that that would be a deal that I would probably take, but I'm not sure Adelaide will. Yeah, I mean, if I was Adelaide, I would take it as well. Me too. Um, personally. Personally, yeah, personally, I would. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's the right range for both clubs to be in at this draft, but yeah. um, that's, as I said, that's, that's a bit of opinion rather than... Um, pick what, four, what, what do Geelong really get? I, I would... It's funny because I'm kind of split. Like, what do Geelong need where they need key, key players? If they, if they get pick four, they'll take Lockie Ash. They'll just add to their halfbacks. Outside speed. Uh, yeah, add to their halfbacks. I mean, um, I mean, look, like, that's the thing. Like, if they got... It, that's why I think a pick around, like, you know, pick six from GWS, seven, Freeman, or even Melbourne's pick eight, though, that that's the area where um, Fisher Mackesy will potentially go. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a really good pick for them. Um, 14 and 17, if they hold, uh, they could, as we've said, you know, 
think there's talk of Josh Worrell up being that kind of high, but I, I'm not seeing it personally. But they could certainly pluck out a Will Gould at yeah, 14, I think, hopefully. I, th- I think Gould's at 14 would be... I mean, we've said Gould for a lot of clubs, um, but it's every really... Every club needs a Will Gould. Every club needs a Will Gould. Um, he's a leader as well, which I probably, probably didn't touch on a whole lot this year, but... Um, Geelong I mean I heard some interviews with Dangerfield um, over the trade period talking about Selwood's leadership and just that they never really see anyone replacing him as captain until he's retired just because he's such a fantastic leader yep that's fair and that's great but they need to bring on somebody like a Will Gould who could be a future captain um, just to be prepared in two three years time for when Selwood does go yeah Um, I mean I could also see them um, at 13 and seven, uh, 14 and 17 uh, being into Devin um, Devin Robinson if he's still on the board well as a replacement for Joel as a replacement for Joel Salwood exactly like a battering ram mid Brody Kemp would definitely appeal to them Brody Kemp would appeal to them as a player that can play through multiple positions um, Trent Rivers as a tall midfielder who can play again play round one so uh, I mean I'd, I think they've got a lot of people that, that would be in their sights for that um, and like we said, there's and with with those twenty four and thirty six and thirty seven, they can probably look at guys like um, uh, like Josh. Well, Josh Wall will probably be gone, but Emerson Jecker maybe, um, Josh Smith. Who, to be honest, I'm not sure if he's going to get drafted, but I really like him. I think he's yeah. an AFL talent. Yeah, we like him. You've yeah. got Sam DeConning. You've got uh, Dyson Hilda. Charlie um, Combin. Maybe Charlie Combin would be a great ruck forward option. They could even go Nick Bryan. Yep. There's there's some really good tall um, talent in the 30s that they've got the right picks for. So they could quite easily target keys and really help their list yeah. in the future. And yeah, yeah, they're you know when we talk about the best um, picks bang obviously um, you know Brody Grundy being at 19 I mean if they were able to get in the top 10 maybe they get Luke Jackson but or if no one picks him in the top 10 yeah 14 yeah 14 would so, be it would be a great pick for him the other one um, Cooper Stephen would be handy Cooper Stephen at 24 I yeah. think I, I don't think I like that I don't think you'd get him much further than that but he's a local boy so they'd obviously have um, yeah. have had some more time to chat with him um, than with anyone else so oh look I really like Cooper Stephen for them as well because he he's um, he's just different to what they've got existing yeah. so and, and that's that's a good thing like difference is key we, we see um, you know we've seen the effects of clubs like Melbourne and and that who have too much one pace or too much similarity between um, I guess the um, the players inside their midfield and Cooper Steven really is a difference like he, he just isn't what they've got so um, other than that mate uh, last words yeah I mean for the for the Cats it would just be um, I guess you've got to fulfil um, the life cycle of the list which means continually like for the next two to three two probably two years you can afford to bring in players like Jack Stephen um, just to top up and continue competing for now. Yep. You just need to use all of those picks at the draft, though. You need to take serious picks to the draft in the next two years. So if you don't make it all the way and you don't win a premiership, that you've got something beneath that that's going to be the start of your next premiership. Yep. Um, couldn't agree with you more. Pretty much saying the same thing I was going to say. Make sure the Tim Kelly situation sucks. But use it to rebuild your next premiership. Use it to your advantage, exactly. Um, you've got an absolute bounty of picks now, and 
but I really believe that from that you can you can definitely generate um, definitely generate your next flag shape out of it um, and really do focus on the keys because it's just yeah I'm not uh, I'm not overly enamored with with what the depth is at the moment so <laughs> um, but with that mate um, it's been a quick one. Because I think Geelong are a pretty easy club. Um, and well, uh, to, to be fair, the, the next two as well, um, being uh, Giants and Richmond, this is going to be post-trade period, so we normally do quite a long reflection on who's off contract, um, but that hasn't mattered for these clubs so much because they've made it deep into finals. Yeah. Um, but we, we will do um, a bit of a reflection on, maybe we can do um, the Giants and Richmond as a double header. Um, and yeah. knock both. Up. I might split the episode up. We'll see how we go. Um, um, we've got a we've got a look at the 2020 draft, and we want to address a bit of a, a what we believe is a bit of a misconception around the 2020 draft with compromise. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, so we'll, we'll get to that. We've got the trade review coming up. So there's a lot going on. Um, so do keep listening out. Do keep engaging with us on Twitter. Uh, thanks for everyone that's been doing that over yeah. the trade period. And, and apologies for the uh, tardiness of this, but I think we can finally reveal what's going on. Ah, um, uh, yeah, we can. So if you've listened this deep into the uh, into the podcast, you're in for a treat. Sean, tell us what's your news, mate. Um, I'm starting a new job, so it's been a few week, uh, or a few months in the making, really. Congratulations. Thanks, mate. I do appreciate that. So it's a it's a with obviously a bubble on the way. It's a lot closer to home. Everyone know that you put a bubble on the way? Yeah, we've announced yeah, that. Okay. So, so um, baby on the way, new job, closer yeah, to home? Much closer to home. That's great. So very, very happy with that. So it's, uh, yeah, just had to obviously um, do the usual life stuff where you, you um, go for your interviews and got to let people know what you're doing and stuff. So been very lucky to work where I work and um, looking forward to the new challenge. And how about you, Matt? Yeah, well, I mean... As soon as I heard that you had a bubble on the way, I had to move closer to you, be on the right side of the city yep. for when little baby John, um, <laughs> my godson, uh, is born. Um, so You think it's a boy? <laughs> we don't <laughs> even know. <laughs> you, you can call it Johanna um, if, if it's a girl um, and it's definitely my goddaughter. Um, so, yeah, we just, Amy and I, my wife and I just bought a, a new place on the, on the other side of the city, so moving over to Bentley East to be just around the corner from Shawnee now which would be exciting and I've also got another well not another I've also got a new job um, so very exciting um, looking forward to congratulations thanks mate um, and again um, been really lucky to work where I've worked and uh, I've got a lot of friends that will hopefully be coming um, all to my 30th birthday which is coming up getting old um, yeah getting old um, so a lot of stuff has been going on for the last couple of weeks. That's probably why we've been a bit rushed with trying to get out podcasts at different times and we've missed some weeks. It's just, I mean, Sean knows as well as anyone, like sometimes we've just been in other places physically unable to yeah. be able to record um, or just too busy mentally um, with everything going on. So hopefully um, now that the place that we're working on is starting to settle um, and... Uh, we'll both be starting new jobs that we'll have a lot more time to get into this yeah yeah so hopefully um, by the time we've started our new jobs we'll be ready to do I guess our um, breakdowns and reviews of the draft and all that stuff so that'll be pretty exciting so um, yeah I mean Bit, bit of craziness on our on our side but um, yeah we do appreciate you guys for sticking with us and apologies for the tardiness of these list reviews last year we were a lot more regimented and 
and everything. Yeah. But, um, Learned less, less than your jobs last year. But <laughs> th- thanks again for sticking with us, guys, and um, appreciate the um, always appreciate the input. So look forward to speaking with you again in the coming weeks. Sounds good. See you guys. Thank you. If you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen, you're not alone. One in four Australians will experience anxiety. No one anxiety is talking. Visit Beyond Blue to start a life beyond anxiety.